Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Reflect on these questions. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. This is God's word for us today and it's a pretty strong word, isn't it? Uh, As we actually hear about that, the Son of Man uh, being ashamed, if we're ashamed of him. Today we're talking about carrying a cross, taking up a cross and following Jesus and it's not a popular story. We talked about it last week, we talked about being prepared to suffer for doing what is right. So suffering for doing what is right. Today we're talking about suffering in the name of Jesus as we take up our cross and follow him. We're talking about counting the cost as we walk behind Jesus. The alternative of course is to do what? If we're not going to follow Jesus, what are we going to do? going to flee, we're going to run, we're going to head for the hills. And in fact, sadly, in Mark chapter 14, that's exactly what happened to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. The guards came along and they grabbed Jesus to arrest him and then in Mark 14:50, the word says this, everyone deserted him and fled. That's his disciples, his disciples deserted him and did a runner. Compare that in Acts chapter 5, an amazing story where the apostles had actually been imprisoned and they'd been persecuted from their faith, uh, because of their faith. They'd been reprimanded, told off, told not to uh, go and preach Christ anywhere. They'd even been flogged. So they'd had the whips out and flogged these people. And verse 41 in Acts chapter 5 says this, and it is amazing. The apostles left the Sanhedrin, which is the ruling council, rejoicing because they'd been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. So in Gethsemane, people deserted him and fled and in Acts 5, these people who have been beaten up, reprimanded, yelled down, thrown in prison, leave rejoicing because they've been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. What's the name? It's capital N in the Bible. It's the name of Jesus. It's the name of Jesus. So my question is, when does imprisonment and being reprimanded and being flogged or whipped and beaten go hand in hand with rejoicing? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you again today that you went to the cross, suffering, dying and rising for each one of us, for each person here. Please speak to our heads and our hearts today as you teach us and lead us on our faith journey with you. And so, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would please work among us and give us the gift of joy as we live as your ransomed, restored and forgiven people in this world and in this context. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we're in Mark's Gospel and... Jesus is walking along, he's journeying with his disciples and three times while he's with them, he predicts his death and his resurrection. 
In today's reading 8.31, he then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. And then in chapter 9, because he was teaching his disciples, teaching again, he's always teaching, he said to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, they will kill him and after three days he will rise. And then again in chapter 10, we're going up to Jerusalem, Jesus said, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him and three days later, He will rise. There are at least four things, really quick things, that I want you to know today about Jesus suffering for you. And the first thing is that he will die for you. He has died for you. The second is that his death is intentional. This is no random act of violence going on here. Jesus is not running away from death. Jesus doesn't run. Walks into it and he walks into it willingly for you. Number three, this is not suicide. Jesus did not commit suicide. It's murder and the murderers are named in each one of those verses, each one of those Bible passages, the murderers are named. And number four, he will rise from the dead. Not in some random or surprising way, but in exactly three days, exactly. His death is appointed. His resurrection is appointed. This will all happen perfectly according to the schedule and plan of God. But what those verses that I read to you about Jesus' predictions about his death and resurrection, what they don't tell you is why. They don't tell you why this needs to happen. In Mark 10.45, I read it to you as I declared God's grace and forgiveness over your life before. Jesus said this, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, when I think of ransom, I think of a Mel Gibson movie that was popular, right? That's what I think of. I think of Mel Gibson, I think of he's a really rich guy in this movie and his uh, child, people come and they they break into his house, they steal his kid and they, they go off and they ring up and they demand millions of dollars or whatever it is and I remember that point in the movie where Mel Gibson, you know, in true Hollywood style, says, I'm not paying your ransom. Instead, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm offering a ransom on your head uh, for, uh, to catch you out for stealing my son. So he turns the tables. And in Hollywood, that's great, it's fine, it's entertaining, it's wonderful. The problem is, in our story and in our biblical text, what's going on and what Jesus is talking about today, we cannot ransom ourselves. Only God can ransom Human beings can't ransom. It's not Hollywood. Picture this, your sins and my sins have actually kidnapped you and locked you in a prison of your own making. You're actually behind bars, imprisoned, and you can't get out. It's not a nice picture. It's not very entertaining, is it? And then Jesus comes along and uses words like ransom as a way of describing what God does to free you from sin's prison, 
It's what God does. You can't ransom yourself from the grip of sin. Only God can ransom you. Psalm 49, truly no man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life. For the ransom of their life is costly and can never suffice. And then verse 15, this is glorious. But God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol, from the power of the grave, from the power of the pit. God will do it. And all this is God's idea. And so that's what's happening as Jesus predicts his death three times on the way to Jerusalem. The Son of Man came to give his life as a ransom for many. It's all God's idea. It's all God's work. And in this, God wants you today to see his amazing love in action. We talk about God's love sometimes as if it's just so abstract and meaningless. Here is where the rubber hits the road. It gets very personal. Very personal for each one of you and all of you here today and for me too. He wants you to see it. So listen out for God's love in here and see if you can hear it. And Jesus said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke Jesus. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. If you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Do you hear God's love in that? Jesus is saying, Peter, if you resist my plan to die, you're resisting God. You side with Satan against God and Satan doesn't want me dead, Peter, because he wants you in hell. Satan wants me to bow down and worship him. He wants me to jump off temples for fame and turn stones into bread for self-preservation. The last thing that Satan wants, Peter, is for a ransom to be paid for his captives. But that's what God wants, Peter. That's what God wants. And he wants it because he loves you. And my coming as your saviour to die as your ransom is the love of God in action for you. I know it seems so easy to set our minds on the things of men. It seems so easy to set our hearts on being comfortable Christians instead of being numbered with Jesus and taking up our cross. It seems so easy to avoid conflict, to avoid discomfort, to avoid suffering and pain and instead passionately seek out those things that make us feel better even if we know that it's temporary and eventually it's going to fade. Know this today, Jesus died to pay your ransom. Have you ever stopped to think about that? You were held in sin's prison. You were held captive and the cross of Christ paid your ransom and set you free from that prison. Jesus Jesus has freed you from that and from the ways of humanity, the ways of human beings for something so much greater, so much greater. And we're going to just explore that really briefly now what it means to be a ransomed child of God. What's my attitude? What does it mean to set my mind on the things of God? And Jesus puts it this way and it's not easy. Get ready for it. It's not an easy word. I'm going to start at verse 38 and work back. Whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. 
Jesus is saying, if you're embarrassed by me, if you're embarrassed by me and the price I paid for you, and he's not talking about a momentary lapse in judgment where you didn't share your faith, he's talking about a settled state of your heart of being constantly embarrassed by him, if you're not proud of me and you don't treasure me and what I did for you, if you want to put yourself with the crowds that value their reputation in the world more than they value me, then that's the way I'll view you when I come. I will be ashamed of you and you will perish with the people who consider me an embarrassment. Tough word. What's the opposite of being ashamed of somebody? Be proud. Be absolutely proud. To be proud of them, to admire them, to not be embarrassed to be seen with them to love being identified with them. The ransomed child of God loves being identified with Jesus, proud to be a child of God and it shows. What can a man give in return for his soul? Well, there's nothing. There's absolutely nothing you can give in return for your soul. If you're not proud of the ransom I paid for your soul, said Jesus, then there is no ransom for your soul. Therefore, verse 36, what does it profit a man or a woman, to gain the whole world and forfeit their soul. If you gain the whole world by valuing it above me, by being more proud of it than me, then it won't be able to save you in the end. There's nothing you can pay for your soul when you've rejected my ransom. So, gaining the whole world will be of no use to you at all, none. And if you would come after me, says Jesus, deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. Jesus is saying, my ransomed, delivered, forgiven, precious children, treasure me, treasure me more than your own comfort, more than your own safety. Know that I hold you in the palm of my hands You're mine. No one can snatch you out of my hand. Treasure that. Appreciate it. Know that you're mine. You know the opposite of self-denial is what? Self-gratification and that's an idol. The opposite of cross-bearing is the uh, idol of self-preservation. But instead, you and me Let's link arms across generations with the Apostle Paul and his confession in Philippians 3 and say, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. And for his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, refuse, in order that I may gain Christ. I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. That word rubbish is like dung in the gutter. Refuse, human refuse. That's what the word is. I count them as poo in the gutter in order that I may gain Christ. What a powerful statement. I know and you know living as a Christian is 
not an easy journey. And we focus on that during Lent, don't we? We focus on our life as a disciple and follower of Jesus Christ. And that's what Jesus is teaching today. That's what he taught his disciples who walked with him on this earth and that is what he's teaching us and sowing into our lives today. It's not easy. But when you know in your head and your heart that God has ransomed you through Jesus, you have a purpose and a hope that is beyond current circumstances. It transcends your circumstances. You know that everything you really need is yours in Christ, like Paul said. That's why those apostles, when we started in Acts chapter 5, right at the beginning of this message, that is why they could rejoice even being thrown in prison and reprimanded and told off and slapped around and flogged and beaten. That's why they could rejoice. They rejoiced because they were privileged to suffer for the name and that name is Jesus. They treasured in their hearts the ransom that set them free from sin. They knew the Lord was with them in every single circumstances of life as he is for you. They had his word to comfort and guide them, confirmed by the Holy Spirit who dwells and abides with every believer. And they knew the power, and this is important, they knew the power of a loving faith community, a community not of perfect people, but a community of ransomed people, forgiven people, people who are God's work in progress. Ransom, forgiven people. That's what the church community is. And it's here so we can support one another and build one another up and pick each other up when we fall and remind each other that you are a ransomed and forgiven child of God. Today, Jesus pours out his forgiveness and his strength for you. He does it again. He did it at the beginning of the service when he declared you cleansed and forgiven and ransomed. He wants to steady you. He wants to release you from any anxiety that comes as you take up your cross and follow him. And he wants to assure you again today, every single one of you, that he died to pay your ransom. That you are his. And his arms stretched out on the cross are for you. Beloved child of God. Does that make you want to flee? Abandon Jesus and leave him like what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane? Or does that make you want to rejoice and go through whatever life brings your way and you can do it rejoicing because of the name? The name of Jesus, your Lord and your Saviour, my Lord and my Saviour. God bless you today. In Jesus' name, Amen.